Oh my goodness. We are at episode six. Welcome. This next episode is quite possibly the most personal episode so far of Live and Learn. And it's because a good friend of mine who I have known since high school, Dustin Rao, is the subject the person I'm having a conversation with. Dustin and I met up in our hometown of Columbia, Illinois. It was a very sunny, gorgeous day. We're sitting outside, as you'll hear. You'll hear tons of cars and wind noises in the background. We sat outside at the Sunset Overlook, which is a fun little bar and restaurant in Columbia that faces towards the Mississippi River, and it's perfect because you can watch the sun go down, hence the name. So we sat outside, and we had some sangria, and we just got into to a lot of different topics. We talk about, obviously, his organization that he's the founder of called Songs for Soldiers and talking about why he developed this organization to help combat veterans. We talk about his time in, in, in his service with the Army and what it was like going over to Iraq, how he was able to come back and create something bigger than himself that has been able to help so many people in the area. So we talk about that. We also get into some of the behind-the-scenes things. You know, he's a dad. He has three kids. He's a great dad. And we talk about parenting styles, what it was like growing up whenever we grew up, friendships, soulmates. We really get into everything in this conversation. So uh, even if you don't know Dustin, hopefully this will be interesting to you and you'll look into the organization Songs for Soldiers and maybe come out in September when the uh, annual concert is happening. So sit back, maybe get yourself some sangria and enjoy this very sunny and windy conversation with Dustin Rao. One fear I have for Songs for Soldiers is that, like, people are going to get tired of it. <laughs> Why do you feel that way? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't ever mean to be annoying with it because it's growing. And it's, so, like, especially, like, my true friends, I hope they're never, like, hey, shut up, man, about it. Like, we know. <laughs> because I'm just a walking, talking, crapping promoter. Promoter? Yeah, yeah. For, for the organization. It's a good thing to promote. I'm, I just hope. So, I appreciate you still wanting yeah. to do this stuff. No, I love doing it. I... I, I think about like how this is the seventh year for it and how much it's grown. Would you say that this year's lineup is the biggest lineup you've I had? I mean, it, there's no question. Because like very first year that we added two nights, you know, we started with Brett Michaels and that was great. Mm-hmm. And that went well. And then last year we dabbled with country because obviously there's a market for it. Yeah. And so that went great. And so this year I think it just made the most sense to do both. And, uh, I, I've always been, I've always wondered what a headliner on Saturday night would do, because mm-hmm. in the past, you know, Super Jam or Joe Dirt, somebody like you know, they close out the set, yeah, which and it's is great. great. Yeah, people love and, them, and it's great. And you have your loyal that are there having fun. But I think when you plop a headliner on the end, especially one like Thirty Eight Special, I just think um, it's it's gonna be great because remember. The longer people are there and yeah. the more beers they have, like that's the that's where we're raising money, right? right. So, uh, and not to mention in having thirty eight special, like I have, I've just never experienced such positive feedback from booking, you know. Really? And so, yeah. What was that experience like? Well, so it's uh, you know this is the first time I booked the show, right? So mm-hmm. you know now, luckily, the powers that be had it where I do event producing full time, right. right? So 
the company that hired me is the company I used to hire to do my talent booking. So now that I work for them, I obviously book the it's show. It's like cut out the middleman a bit. Like 100%. For this. And I feel like I just got some really great prices for us this year. Mm-hmm. Being the founder of the, nego- uh, of the charity when you're negotiating this stuff is a little different than being somebody on behalf of the charity. Yeah, yeah. I think. Well, yeah, because you are so close to it. Right. You know what I'm saying? And um, 38 Special came across my radar early. Yeah, why I- 38 Special? Like, where did well, that come wh- from? The way booking happens is you get a big pool of people. You know, and uh, this is who's available. Yeah. And you narrow it down. This is who's touring. Yep. They can, they have some holes in their schedule. Yes. Yeah. Based off budget, right? Mm -hmm. So, and they were out there and I saw them because originally our rock act was going to be on Friday night. So this could coincide with KC shows. Mm -hmm. And KC had a show flip on them Mm -hmm. being Cheap Trick and ZZ Top. ZZ Top. Right. So that's on September 6th. They asked me, can you switch back to Friday, Saturday, we're country Friday. I was like, yeah. Actually, yeah, I, I have time to do that. Right. So that got that got 38 Special back into the mix because we were close for them for Friday night but lost them. Yeah. And they're routed perfectly. They're coming from Arkansas, so pulled the trigger. And to me, every year when I first get that first list back, I, there's always one or two that I know feel right, uh-huh. and we've gotten them every time. That's it's kind of cool. weird. That so, is weird, and, but what a good thing. Yeah, and what I like about 38 Special is that, to me, they're a lot like a band like Kansas. Mm-hmm. They got their six or seven really well-known songs, right. and that's great. And they'll play all that. But, like, they're a band like Kansas where you just put the album on, and, and it jam. can just be on. Whereas, you know, some bands, their hits are, that's where it stops. You know right. what I'm saying? But I feel like they're just a vintage, great-sounding band. And Mark Close, <laughs> it was fate, because we had a board of directors meeting, so Skip Weber's on the board, right? Right. And Skip comes walking, he's like, Dustin, I just left the radio station. you got to do this. Mark Close says 30 Special sounds fantastic. I'm like, I'm literally freaking talking to him right now. <laughs> it was it right, it was on the wall. You know what I right, mean? Right, everything lined up. Right. And then opening for him, uh, we got Miles Nielsen, mm-hmm. who is Rick Nielsen's son. Oh my gosh. Wow. And he's got a killer southern rock band. That's cool. And they're just that very underground granola right. rock, you know, southern rock. And then obviously we got the Saturday... Um, your locals, man. Joe Dirt, Trixie, Trixie Delight, Delight, that 80s band, yeah. Kim Massey, my band. All so. the original uh, the original players. People love that. Yeah, I know. You know, it's funny because, like, a lot of people will bitch about, like, cover bands. And I get really aggravated by that because I'm somebody who genuinely loves. And it's not just because I know these people. I met them through going to see their shows. Like, yeah. Kelly Wilde from Trixie Delight. I didn't know her before I started going to her shows and seeing her perform in El Monstero and Celebration Day. And, yep. You know, and she's a lovely human being on top of the fact that she's so talented. And I have a deep appreciation for just musicianship anyway, that like anybody who can play an instrument and make original music, obviously that's amazing. But also there is something so amazing about um, being able to take an iconic band and replicate that music almost precisely where... You know, you have to study that music and have a deep appreciation yeah. for that music. And so I refuse to let people nag on, like, or talk smack on, like, cover bands. Because it's a great part of the local musicianship. It, it, it fuels their creativity for original content that they will hopefully create. But it also is a, it helps ma- fund their bills. Like, they're playing all the time it on the weekend. It funds the other projects to make your own music. Yes. And try, you know. And I'm with you. And I think some of the best advice... I've ever heard Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters like you want to get really good at mm-hmm. playing music just start a cover band yeah Chevy that Metal. is the best way exactly <laughs> they're coming one of these years I've been close a few years oh, now I'll lose um, it when that happens so they uh, so you know and, he, and he's right and like that's you know we were at rehearsal for my band Days last night and we were learning some southern rock tunes for this set and like like Whipping right. Post 
Yeah. And I tell you what, like, we, we spent 25, 30 minutes on that song last night, and it made us better. That's a great That's song. That's a hard song to play. That's a dramatic song to it play. It is super dramatic. And But for us, whether it's our song or not, it was a fun, fun challenge as a musician. So I can, mm. and just not to mention, like, those, those people you're talking about, I can't really imagine a show without seeing a few faces there from the cover band scene, and that's John yeah. Pisoni. Yeah. <laughs> he's just the, the, he's, he's the best. He's the best dude. He he's he's St. Louis's Dave Grohl, man. Yeah, like he, he that's is, a good way to he, call he, him. Absolutely, he, he can play everything. He knows about everything. Yeah. he's privy on sports politics. He's funny. Really dumb. You can cast. Okay, really dumb shit like that just doesn't pertain to anything that I personally <laughs> like. You know, and and when me and him get together at a table, it's just like. I feel sorry for anyone else there because there's probably not going to be any words. Right. You guys are just yapping at each other. I love it. <laughs> so I love John, uh, you know, and then um, so I always got to see him. And then obviously me and Jimmy Griffin have just become such good friends. And, you know, Pettycast Junction spirits. couldn't play this year, right? Because some of the guys are doing their Almond thing and Almond Tribute in New York. So Jimmy's just going to join us for a song because oh, cool. I just got to see him there. Right. It would be weird. He's if been he at every involved. single one. I would well, not. I would not enjoy it. And he's going to do the Star Spangled Banner. You talk about good people. Those Griffin. I, I love his wife, Mandy. Dude, she yeah. uh, she owns. I was talking about her in my last episode. She owns uh, Remedy Massage. Have you ever gone to her studio? No, I know about it. It's uh, Tim and I go there and get couples massages at least once a year. We probably should be going more. One of the best places to just relax. Mm-hmm. The way she has. It's just a two room massage studio, and um, I always have her work on me. And I went. I went there a couple months ago and just, you know, she's just. She's kind of got that vibe where she's just a very easygoing, peaceful, tranquil, lovely human that, like, I don't know, I I, I feel a better, I feel better after I leave her presence. Yeah, yeah. And then to have her physically work on me is, like, <laughs> might as well just be on the moon. Like, she's amazing. And, and Jimmy, I just think he's so goofy and talented and um, has a heart of gold and... Doesn't take nothing too seriously. No. And thank God for people like that. Like, no you kidding. know, I... I don't know. And that's, again, like, going back to the original point of us doting on all these fabulous musicians, like, they all have their original content that they've created, you know, individually, but then to be able to play music like Celebration Day or El Monstero, like... It's no joke. Those bands are no joke, and that music is complex. You have Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd music that is extremely hard. I couldn't do it. I mean, I I try to hit those notes like Robert Plant. I can't do it. And with John, it's one thing to play... John Bonham, oh, right? Yeah. Note for note, that guy can do it. It's another thing to, and I don't know if people realize this at El Monsero shows and Celebration Day, he's singing all the time. He's doing backup vocals constantly. Yeah, I guess I don't And that is a whole other f- like, thing for music. Like, yeah, what is that? You're a drummer. Sing and play drums at I the same know. time. I don't know. Like, it's what not, is that? It's just not easy. Because you're, you're already doing cardio work by having your entire body engaged, and then on top of that, being able to keep a note or drums is like them. You know the good old-fashioned rub your belly, pat your head? Yeah, that's what it's like. It's like that, right? Except you <laughs> learn how to do it with, like, all four limbs, right? Yeah. You're using all of it. And then throwing singing on. And once again, back to being in a cover band. I'm just now starting to sing and play because, like, it just took years to try it. Practice. And, yeah, yeah, and so when we're rehearsing is when I really try for it because nobody's going to hear you know, like somebody step on the duck, right? So, like, you know, it's fun. And there'll be times where I'll be done. I'll look at it. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not gonna. That's not for me. There is yeah. it. You know. So yeah, it's just so that he does it so effortlessly. How long have you been playing music in your life? I remember my brother Sam. 
was in the school band and brought home a snare drum mm-hmm. in like sixth grade. And he's like, this is stupid. Sam's like, younger than you? I'm the oldest of four. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all two years apart. So 35, 33, 31, 29. Sam's birthday's t- tomorrow. So anyways, he brought home a snare drum. And um, I just loved it and started playing it. Yeah. And uh, then, so I started, my dad got me in lessons, and um, my dad's super cool, as you know him, and uh, Dan Halen. Dan Halen. <laughs> I love your dad. And so, I mean, he was, just put me in lessons right away. I got into the school band, thank God, to learn how to read music. Mm-hmm. And um, I've since forgotten, I still know how to read drum. Yeah, whatever. But it was a good guideline, you know? Sure. And so, I guess sixth grade. So you have this deep profound appreciation for music that starts at a very young age formative age where you know I think as early as sixth grade we start to really become who we are is that we're we there starts a foundation in our souls I think you know where you start to realize oh I'm going to be like this part of myself forever I'm going to have this part of myself you know that will carry through adulthood and whatnot so you have that appreciation for music and then you know you go through high school you graduate from high school you go into the military And, um, you know, so you have this firsthand experience as being a combat veteran. Mm-hmm. And then I think that it's such a neat thing that you took two huge parts of yourself and you decided to go above yourself and beyond yourself and say, I want to help other combat veterans in the St. Louis area to get the things that they need and kind of give back in a way that I think is profound. Not everybody gets the opportunity to give back on the level that you and Songs for Soldiers have. Mm-hmm. And so... Do you kind of step back out of yourself every now, probably every year when you're, especially after it's all done, yeah. after the shows are done? I imagine it's like an emotional, just flush of holy shit! I just did it again, and it's it's keeps getting bigger. Yeah. And like, I mean, how do you feel like leading up to the big annual concert event? And obviously, there's other things throughout the year now too that happen. But how do you feel leading up to the concert event, and then afterwards when you see how the community has come out for you? And really, it's because you are so ingrained in this Monroe County community. Like, right. people know you and mm-hmm. know your family. Like, how does that feel, like, after, before and after the event? It feels like, and it's my, it's, that's the best question. And, like, basically, it just kind of makes me want to cry right now already because <laughs> I know, Sorry. you know. No, but, like, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I spend a lot of time thinking just about everything all the time like and not just veterans and not just you know I just think a lot and so like I always just like I kind of have surrendered to giving up on trying to figure out what it all means and like basically what it all comes down to and this this does answer your question is like I don't understand how I'm so lucky to be in this situation to be able to have created something so cool and to help so many people so instead of trying to figure out why I'm so lucky to be in this position, I've j- I'm just I'm just gonna enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just and ever since that kind of clicked in my brain in the last year and a half, like it's just made it all so much easier. Mm-hmm. But I always I have like three or four favorite parts of songs when it comes to the concert and pulling off such a large event. Um, I love being the first one to the park and the last one to leave. Mm-hmm. Like meaning the Sunday before or the chalking out the tents and it's just me and my good friend Jason Poles who's a local guy yeah. and we've done this for more than like 10 years because we used to do Tiny's Fest you yep. know so like 
I like when it's just me and him. I I enjoy the serenity of it all, just us. And then I love seeing it get built, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, on Friday morning every year before the show, everything's built and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And me and a local yoga teacher, Jamie Marsoon, go on the stage about 5 a.m. and just... Have some yoga? Just straight... Or just sitting there and crying and being grateful. Because, like... That moment right there mm-hmm. is definitely my favorite time of the year because I'm on this big stage, right? Yeah. No one's there. It's just me and her. My kids are in the backstage camper sleeping because we just live out there for five days. <laughs> and like that is the, truly that moment of every year. Like I don't need anything else in this life. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And then the show happens, and to me, and I and yes, this is all to raise money for our charity to help combat veterans. But to me, like. I'm just a big, 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 big fan of togetherness. And yes. so um, whether it's my show or somebody else's show, I just like being around a lot of people all the time. And it gets annoying to some of my, like, you know, like my girlfriend will be like, you always got to invite everybody. You know, like, right, can yeah, we yeah. just, I'm like, ah, I don't know, like, let's have everybody. You know? Yeah, you know, I get so, it. So, you know, like, it's just, <laughs> you know, but, I, and so it's more special at songs because I do know that it's something that was, you know, created for my situations and it just makes it all the more special and I just like glancing at that crowd and I like walking through listening to what people are saying and watching mm-hmm. people get so excited and that's that and then after when it's over mm-hmm. last to leave man I always uh, that Sunday night literally everything's out yeah. goes that fast I'm just like Whew. you can finally exhale and um, year by year I don't feel sad when it's over anymore mm-hmm because why did you feel sad in the first place because there's such a cool build up and like you're like your life goes from this 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 crazy media interviews and like it's just all this right. crazy momentum it's and happening. then it's gone whereas I get older and I appreciate the gone <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it you're in this business right mm-hmm. your job is to be out there and outgoing and yeah. interviewing and isn't it nice just to be really quiet and alone too? Oh, it's great for me to just be gone. Isn't it just as good as the other side? It is. I and I always say, I don't know if you are like this, but I always say that I'm an introvert, but I have I'm a professional extrovert. So I I can turn it on and get things done and mm. sell things for people and mm-hmm. promote and interview and all that crap. And I love that. But when I'm at home, I'm I'm very much at home and I don't want to be bothered with really anything like I I just want to hang with my cat and my dude and I don't want to have to bother with people needing me to be a certain thing because I think people start to expect a certain level out of you when they constantly see you at that extroverted rate and I'm sure you get that too where it's like you've become such a uh, appendage of Columbia where you grew up here and Mm -hmm. you have a history here and a lineage here but also like this event I mean I don't think anybody else would have brought 38 special Chris Shiflet, a freaking Foo Fighter, to Columbia, Illinois. Like, I and I think about how amazing that is. Like, you're going down in history books. Like, when, you know, in 80 years, when all of us are gone, and you know, at the city hall, they have a website or a book that somebody's writing to keep right. note of the celebrities and the bands who ever toured through this town. You had something to do with that, and it not only helps put Columbia on the map, but it helps you know, bring people together as a community. There, yeah. are, there aren't a lot of opportunities for small towns to really promote togetherness because we live near a big metropolitan area, nothing against St. Louis, but it's like people flock to the downtown events of sure. St. Louis, and as we should, but it's it's uh, more difficult, I think, to 
bring it's kind of like have you ever seen the movie Big Fish? No, but oh. I know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. There's a part in that movie where Ewan McGregor uh, he comes upon this town and you know that it's a very small little town and the whole town they stay there they never leave and it's a very weird town and um, Steve Buscemi is like barefoot the whole time and anyway love that guy I, it's a great movie actually you could borrow it sometime because I think your kids and you would really love watching okay. it together but anyway uh, Ewan McGregor is like passing he has to get this giant guy to a bigger city because the small town he was in was too small for him and he's got to move him out Anyway, they come upon the city, and uh, he has to leave. And I don't know. You can just—it's kind of like that mentality of people usually move out of the small towns that they grow up in, yeah. and they go on to bigger and quote better things. And really, like for you to stay in Colombia and make something, make it even greater than when you got here is—it's so. That's the point of cool. life, right there, man. Yeah, and it like really whether is. it doesn't have to be a concert. You could be that professional door holder guy for people. Yeah. That everyone just like, that is the nicest dude in town. Right. You know what I mean? Well, just like Scott Harris. Same guy. Scott Harris, who we went to high school with, is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. He's visionary. A, a visionary. He's always been uh, a really neat person, I think. And he has also built this town into something better than it was when we were all in high school. And I yeah. think that is incredible. Me and him have been best friends. We've known each other since preschool. And it, there couldn't have been a more we we you know we've done a lot together we've yeah. done marathons together, um, you know, we've been in bands together. We're just kids of the same age, you know. And mm. so, but we've always had this extremely healthy competition. So when you're training for marathons with somebody, like you just you want to beat them, but at the same time you're just so happy when they win too. Yeah. <laughs> just like, and so we just really bonded those two or three years of running marathons, and so. Had he never started his CrossFit gym and just walk, for me to watch a good friend go out on a limb and take a chance. Yeah. And I, I, I say this all the time, Songs for Soldiers wouldn't even exist had I never met Scott Harris. Because I saw him do his thing mm-hmm. and I had this thing brewing within me. that this idea, you. Yeah. And I saw him open and light the wick and I was like, screw it. I'm going to try. Yeah. And I couldn't ask for a better friend or supporter right. in the world. I mean, the dude would He's do anything. He's such a good person. Yeah. And so... You're right, and this is um, we've both we both we both left Columbia. You know, he he went to college, and I did the army thing. So, you know, I think we all go through that phase in a small town. Like, I got to get out of here. here. I got to get out of here. And then, so you do, and you go experience the world, and you're like, I'm gonna go back. Yeah, I got a nice spot. (laughs) It's easy. You know what I mean? But I love doing the show in Columbia because. You know, you know. Now that I do this full time event producing for a company, like I also do Fair St. Louis and Tasty St. Louis. So like, right. And those are great, and I enjoy the heck out of them, and I'm so blessed to have the career I have now. But I love doing songs in Columbia because, like, the police chief is like, "Who's the headliner?" Yeah. Like, I can't wait. Oh my God, I love Granger Smith and Diamond. Like, he was so <laughs> thrilled we did country last year, and that's what you get. You just get this. Across the board, from the mayor down to the front, the clerk's yeah. office, like, of support. And, like, it, it just, that's that. Yeah. So it makes it makes pulling off the event logistically much easier. Oh, yeah, sure. Now know? that you, especially that now that you have the kind of other side of this event planning and mm-hmm. tour booking experience and whatnot. I mean, I, that has to make things run more efficiently, be more cost effective, more just add into your expertise and what yes. you can bring as not just a founder, but also as like a, you're, you're down there getting your hands dirty just as much as the volunteers are, you know, yeah. like you, you're kind of, um, spearheading all of it. 
you know, what's it like going to, because you live in Columbia, what's it like going to the grocery store? People constantly like, Dustin, hey, can't wait for the show. Like, yep. what's that? You're like a local <laughs> celebrity for this town. I think that's so neat. It's fun, man. Like, uh, I think it, I, I think the best way to kind of answer that is, um, oh. uh, we got our first flat tire driving oh, by. Oh, man. He's going to, he he's going to try to make it. He's got I, his- <laughs> I'm just saying, if I'm driving with a flat tire and there's a bar right next to the road, that's I'm where I'm hanging a left, bar. you know? Yeah. Instead of trying to go Poor further. Guy. Poor dude. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. Um, but to answer your question, like, I, I, I guess the best way to, like, acknowledge that is, um, I, you know, my twins are eight years old, yeah. right? So now they know all about it and they love songs and they love getting a golf cart. Yeah, they do. Learning how to drive. crews out there. You know, they love everything about it. And I really like hearing them talk about Songs for Soldiers the most because, I don't know, that's where it all starts and ends, you know. And then Denny's three, and she'll come around once she gets a little more privy to what's going on, too. But I I like it. And it's nothing new to me because I have a a well-known dad, local guy, you know. And (laughs) my dad's just one of those, like, he's a retired carpenter slash building inspector. So... You know, he doesn't put on concerts or nothing, but I've never met another human that gets stopped as much as him. <laughs> it's like walking with the the mayor of president the of Monroe County. Yeah. And, but what I love about watching my dad and everybody he sees is he was he was just like me in high school, so I know where I get this from. Like he was friends with the jocks and the stoners and the partiers and the nerds. Like he just doesn't have enemies and I really so am like that with people I and I was like that in high school Me and too, man. I just I, and it's it, and so are my kids and so I just enjoy uh I feel like that would be the case even if Songs for Soldiers didn't exist because I think a lot can go or just being nice people goes a long way oh my gosh kindness is the is the tip top of all things right and um so I, I like it. I, and I just love seeing how excited everybody is, whether it's November or August right before the show. Let's talk People about are excited. Parenting. I mean, I'm just thinking about how, going back to you, talking about you and Scott and being kids and stuff. Like, shout out to all the parents out there that allowed their kids to just follow themselves, you know, like, mm-hmm. and guided them in a positive, kind way and, and reinforced, you know, I think the pillars of humanity, which are like, hey, treat others how you would like to be treated. Don't don't divide people up and judge. Like, just keep them all, keep everybody collective, you know? And I remember meeting you guys in high school and thinking like, oh, aside from you, you and Scott both being like two of the most handsome men in the school, uh, let's just get that out. <laughs> also kind, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that that goes such a long way with people. So. Yeah. All the, all of the notoriety and goodness that your family kind of instilled in you, I think, is it's so neat that you're kind of paying that forward. And now that you you know you've been a father for a long time, and it's like, how is that the stress level with pulling something off like this? I know you say the kids are involved, but like, you know, um, is that stressful to have the babies around? Uh, just because you obviously have to still be a dad while you're yeah. also trying to put this huge event on. Year, year after year, it's easier because they're older, they get older, right? And so it's it's they're more a part of it. Yeah. Um, but I first and foremost, like, and this is probably the one side of Songs for Soldiers my parents don't like is the, the commitment that comes with it and the busyness. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, even though they don't agree with it all the time, they support it and they help me so much with the kids. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you know, uh, my youngest daughter 
me and her mother just have been friends for so long. And so I would just like, there's no way I could do this without Dana either. Yeah. Like, and so they're just so supportive of, um, and I, I don't always make them the happiest with being with my schedule, but in the end, that's that. I have a great support system and, um, you know, it takes an army, you yeah, know, it does. and I can, that's kind of how our family is. Like we're all just kind of in on it. And then my brother and his wife live in town with their kids. They help out all the time. Um, but back to the being a parent thing, I don't think, um, had I never had kids, I'm not sure any of this would be happening because, um, they, they are, I started songs when the kids were three. Mm-hmm. So that was about the worst time to try something ever because your kids are three and they're twins, right? Right. And I just didn't see it that way. I was like, man, I don't think you should surrender any part of your life to chalking it up while I got kids now. Let me put this on hold till I retire. Yeah. Like, nothing's guaranteed, man. Yeah, you know, so And true. so I just assumed to take the hard road of try to do all this and be a parent at the same time. And I think in the end that will prove beneficial to my kids. Like, mm-hmm. um, you can have kids and still do every single thing you want to do. I'm glad it's we're a talking lot more about work, this. But yeah, but if you're hardworking, you will you'll make it happen. And I couldn't do it. Like, yeah, and it was like, oh, it's not time. There's never a time, dude. Yeah. If you say that, it'll just keep getting pushed back. <sighs> I didn't plan any of my children. <laughs> They all just fate wise came. Here they come, you. the yeah. stupid storks. So, anyways, um, <laughs> you know, but they're, you know, Fair St. Louis a few weeks ago, man. There they were, mm-hmm. and and they know all the people from the production company, and they know KB from the pageant. It's just to me, it's a whole second family, man. Like right. the, this industry, right? So, I just, I, I wouldn't have started any of this had they not taught me to be a better person. Mm. That's what it comes down to, you I know. Love that. And and I hope that. I would totally be that dad. Like, if, 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 if little Charlie or Ava or Danny was... If they get into a really awesome band and these kids are 16 or 17, and I personally think they got it, mm-hmm. I would be just like Dave Grohl's mom. Like, go ahead and quit school and go try just this. Just go do You'll it. You'll figure yeah. the rest out later. Yeah. You know? That Virginia Grohl, that book, um, I got to interview mm-hmm. her. You did? Yeah. I got to interview her on, on, on the phone. John and I interviewed her and couldn't have been a sweeter lady and just, like, how positive and supportive and... Just like, you know, when you know your kids, you know them and you can trust that mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, you know who they are and their souls and, you know, it's just such a neat thing, I think, to be to be a parent. I'm not a parent, but I, you know, I dabble in that thought of like, do I want to have kids and sure. like, what would that mean? And I go, I go back and forth with it, to be quite honest. Like, I'll go back and forth with like the life I have now and I know that pretty well and. You know, but I also am so curious about like what it would be like to have this life in addition to have this little person there. Yeah. And it's you know, and some days are more positive than others. Other, you know, sometimes I go to a pretty fearful place to have kids and say like, I don't know if I could do it. But then I think about people that do it all the time and mm. like are pretty decent at it and like, you know, yeah. make it work. So I think there's a there's an enrichment that comes from it. You know what I'm saying? Like when there's another extension of you, like physical and you're watching them, (laughs) it's just like, you know, you want really good things for yourself and like your spouse and your family and your career, but it's really unique to, and I've, I was that way, you know, I, I always thought the band was going to make it, you know what I mean? And we didn't, but I always wanted success for myself. So it's really interesting once you have kids to 
want another human to have that more than you want it for yourself. Oh yeah. And I think that that just teaches you a good lesson of caring for others. Yeah, yeah, caring for others. You know, like and so I wouldn't. The, oh, it's so hard though. <laughs> let's <laughs> yeah, get let's get good. back to reality. Right, it yeah. also can totally suck hard. from time to time, sure. you know. But um, but we make it work and. Um, I think you're a great dad. I, I only see it from, you know, Instagram or whenever I'm Do you around. Do you start Instagramming when, when I'm really angry too? No, no. That'd I be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Well, like I think those are person those those type of level of moments. Even though those are probably the re- what people need to see the most. Yeah. I think also are the ones that you know you're never gonna remember how shitty a moment was with your parents, but you're always gonna remember like unless it's like really shitty I guess but like you're always gonna remember like the better times hopefully like hopefully you have a good parent and kid relationship so it's like I don't know I the hard times are all worth it I know that they are they are and and they they within time become laughable absolutely I'll never forget back to Dan Halen my old man (laughs) the the worst my dad's old school I Uh got whipped on the butt for the belt oh me too bare butt I had the belt for my dad and it's okay I I I think it's fine my dad Loves me more than anybody in the world, yeah. right? Anyways, the worst beatdown I ever got, and I'm so glad I get to tell the public this. <laughs> the worst beatdown I ever got was in second grade. Oh, no. And I was getting notes sent home for misbehaving, but I was going to the bathroom, being slick, and throwing them in the trash can. Right. Teacher started wondering why I just kept being bad, because she knows I have good parents. Like, why are they not doing anything about this? So yeah, she yeah. followed me one day, saw me throw it in there. Next day I got in trouble, thought, just to pick up on the trend. <laughs> Well, Dad was a carpenter, right? So if the weather was bad, sometimes he'd be home when you got off. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, one day, I go to throw that away. And the teacher's like, hey, here's your new note. Get oh, this no. one signed. I'm like, oh, no, she did it. You know? Guess what? What? Dad's off work early because it was snowing or raining or sleeting or something. The worst. And he told me the next time it's just going to be bad. Yeah. And, I, and he was calm, and that's the worst. He's like, get in my room. And my three little brothers were just like all on the couch. Like, right, everybody's oh, just standing there watching. You are going to get beat. And yeah. so I went in there, and Dad pulled my pants down, and the he, belt was the he worst. Pulled the belt out and whipped me twice, two or three times, right on the butt cheeks. Yeah. And I was like, I don't remember this part, but I remember the defiance. I remember feeling the defiance. Like for whatever reason, that one it just didn't hurt. I don't mm-hmm. know if he hit me differently. It just didn't hurt. Your butt was numb at that point. No. No. No, no, no. They for whatever reason they just didn't hurt that day. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that didn't hurt. Oh great. And my dad goes, What? <laughs> and like I saw then then the coolness was gone. Right. right? And uh. he, he he pulled my pants on further to hit the back of my legs. Yes. Which is worse. And so anyways, I when he was going to I remember after that just a violent <laughs> beat down of the back of my legs with the belt and I was mm-hmm. just like and that hurt so come to find out you know so anyways he hits me hits me with the belt and then he used to like run and kind of softly kick me in the ass all the way back to my room my that, dad that did that was their tradition after the beatdown, I'd get chased by kid in your room you know <laughs> and so anyways I get out and like I'm crying and he slams the door behind me his right. bedroom door and I'm like where's the run and I'm like crying like pulling my pants up in front of my brothers yeah. and going to my room it hurt and he just slammed the door. That's that was that. That was in second grade. Fast forward till I, you know, I was 21, 22. I think it was probably when I got back from Iraq, and we're all sitting around telling stories, or, and it came up. Come to find out, I jumped because I knew he was going to hit me harder. 
and he hit himself on the tip of his man part oh, with the belt. No. And that is why, you know how when you hit your head or stub your toe, you just want to punch people? Yeah. Like, that's why it turned into the violence the it violent, was, because he yeah. was so hurt. And oh so, gosh. it turned purple and green and blue. His like, balls? No, the tip. The oh, my part, God. The tip with a belt. Oh, Come no. to find out, that's what had happened. That's why it was so violent. Not because wow. I told him it didn't hurt, because he hit himself. And he was, yes. Once again, violent time in my life. Laughable as Laughable hell. Laughable now. <laughs> I, you know what? That's so interesting to talk about this belt situation. First of all, where did parents of the 80s learn to do the exact same thing? Because I used to get my, I used to get slapped across the face from my mom because sure. I was mouthy. And then my dad would get the belt out. And um, my dad would also do like, I, I remember specifically... I was probably in, like, fourth grade or whatever. My parents were divorced, yeah. so, like, I would be at my grandma's house with my dad after school because that's what we did every day after school. And um, I, I could not learn. I'm, I'm terrible at math. I just have always been – I'm not a numbers human. And so, great at English, terrible at math. Like, sure. those are my two problems. So, anyway, um, I couldn't learn – I don't remember what type of math I was not – excelling in but my dad was getting frustrated with me and I just specifically remember him like kicking me in the ass <laughs> and like putting me in this room at my grandma's house and being like you're gonna learn this like he was so frustrated with me because he probably honestly he didn't probably know what he was talking about either with the math sure. so he was like frustrated with it yeah, himself yeah. but um yeah like I feel like that was such a thing that our generation's parents did and then, like, you know, I don't know how... I'm not one to tell anybody what to do with their kids, but it's like, I know that if I had kids, there would be no belt. There would be no... There would not be a belt. There would not be kicking in the ass. Like, there would be yelling. Like, mm -hmm. there would be tons of yelling. But, like, I would never... I That is something that I will not adopt from my past because it wasn't... First of all, I didn't learn anything. Like, yeah. if anything, it just made me afraid of pissing them off, and I just tried my best not to, but... It taught me. Did it? Oh, I didn't learn... My brothers, I don't think anyone else got spanked in the family except for me. But they were all straight-A students. They just watched me do the hard thing all yeah. the time and then didn't do it, right? So they were smart. But it, I, I, Dad struck the fear of God in me, man. I'm like sure. those, And I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, however, as a parent now, I think I've probably spanked the kids maybe total all, like, twice. Yeah. And I'll never forget the second time I did it. I just went in my room and cried like a baby. <laughs> it's not me, man. I, I, I can't know. do it. And so, and my dad says that. He goes, you you're, you parent like your mother, you know. Yeah. And he's, I, I don't, I'm I'm pretty lax. I know you are. <laughs> but they. That's uh, why people love you so much. To a fault, much. maybe, as a parent. But at the same time, I do feel like I get good results out of the, out of the kids. You do. You I, I mean, I've, you've sent me. Instagram stories that are so much fun. I love them where, you know, the, the kids are doing the dishes or doing something productive. I mean, that's all you need. Like, if the kids are in line and they're good kids, like, you know. Well, my son Charlie, I hope somebody hears this. But, like, his favorite thing to do once it's dark and, you know, the neighbor kids have left, yeah. he just kind of likes sitting on the couch naked. <laughs> and I'm sorry, right or wrong. I dig it too. I know, I man. It's fine. First of all, me, we don't do it at the same time. Right. If there's everybody's ever that rare occasion naked. where they're not there, I'll do it, right? But, like, yeah. I don't do that with my kids. I around. think everybody walks around their house or sits around their house naked. It is so nice. It is. And so, like, I get it. And uh, I just don't mind it. And yeah. so my, my daughter, his twin, who is essentially runs the house, yes. is like, 
put some pants on. Right. She's sick of it. Yeah, I don't want to see this. You know, like, well, I'm like, then go in your room. She's seen this her whole life. You know? She's surrounded, yeah. Like, go in your room. So, I just... Do you... And it's fun having... You have two girls. Two girls and a boy. And Charlie. And then it's like, um, you know, what do you find is easier now that you... Especially having the twins Charlie. Where, really? Charlie, man. He's just real simple. He gets mad... Just like any other kid, but char- boy, boys are simple. Now, my youngest daughter, Denny, is also very chill and easy, mm-hmm. but I'm finding, and I think Dana would agree, she's finding her own way. Yeah. She can get sassy. <laughs> yeah. And you know us both. I do. That can happen, you sure. know, pretty easily. So, um, I think boys, I think I'd have to chalk up boys being All easy. right. Yep. That's fun. But I got good girls. They're good, good girls. I'm lucky. You are very lucky. No man, you, you are beloved. I everybody who knows you, even meeting you just once, I think people always have such a great perspective of you or an essence of you, and I think that, especially with on a grand scale with what you're doing for the community here in Columbia, but also on an individual scale of just how you, uh, when you're around people. It's not about... I, I know that maybe you would say, like, oh, people probably want me to shut up about promoting <laughs> songs for soldiers. I, I get that at nothing. Nobody is saying that. Nobody is feeling that way. I think everybody wants to support you and um, reciprocate with the same kindness and attention and um, love, honestly, that you you give to people on an individual basis. And, I mean, I'm, we're friends, so I can say yeah, that yeah. pretty personally. But it's like... Even people that don't know you very well, that maybe just meet you a couple of times and know what you're about. I've never heard a bad thing about you. I don't think I ever will. Like I, I got think, my faults. I think that, well, yeah, you're human, but it's at the same time, what a great thing you're doing on such a big scale for these veterans that are in our community that need you, that need this. You know, I don't want to put all that pressure on just you. They need this organization to help fund things that they need. They need to help get a car to find a job to just network into others yeah and it's such a neat thing and it's so beyond yourself that you're giving back and I think a lot of us are in awe of what you're doing and 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 what you do I think and at least with me you make me turn inward and go how can I be doing more what can what are what's something about me that's a fabric of my life that I can I can turn around and give to that next person that may need it more than I would you know what I'm saying and yeah I think I think if there's one favorite thing I have about life in general is connectivity mm-hmm. you know so with 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 humans like it's, sometimes animals right like I love <laughs> connectivity I love being on teams I believe I I love quiet time I like being by myself a lot and I need it but like uh, like I love connectivity and um, songs with helping the way we do because like I said the original the original goal was to help four people a year hence the name with the number four right Songs for Soldiers and now I don't I, think I knew that yeah that's why I came up with that name because this was just going to be a small once a year thing right and yeah. then to help four veterans a year and, and pick them and do it and when the money's out then do it again next year you know mm-hmm. but here we are now and this year was super cool because we passed a half million dollar mark spent on veterans right so we've spent over $540,000 now wow Directly, like we pay for these things directly. We don't even give the veterans the money, and over four four hundred families, right? And so, um, the best question I've ever been asked, one of the best questions I've ever been asked in an interview, was by this college girl writing a term paper, mm-hmm. and it was they had to highlight their favorite charity and what they and, and interview the person, right, or the founder or the president, whatever. Right. 
and this girl asked me, she goes, what makes helping combat veterans so so special and more special than others? And it was one of those things that, like, um, I answered it, right? And then she sent me the term paper, like, five, six weeks later. So I reread it. It was kind of fun to hear my answers. <laughs> so, <laughs> and But I would have answered the question the same way as I reread it. She, and I said, well, um, I don't think there's anything more special about combat veterans over children or abused animals or homeless people or abused women. I, I don't think any of that. There's no hierarchy to there isn't. helping someone. Nope. And back to you saying that, you know, songs inspires you to look inward and try to find something good. That's the point, right? Yeah. So if my thing's combat veterans and yours thing, your thing is rescuing cats, <laughs> you know? And so, and, and Tim's thing is like amazing beards. Like, you know, <laughs> as long as everybody finds that little piece in their life that means the most to them and, yeah. and, and, and does something for it. And it doesn't need to be a concert or it could just be, you know, advocating or, or volunteering. Like, right. that's the greater thing. It's and that gets back good. to the connectivity. And, you know, I just, like, outside thinker, man. I'm like, I don't see, I don't, I don't like the thought of country. I just, it's a human thing, man. Yeah. You know? And say, and thank, thank, thank God for songs for me personally because, you know, combat does suck. And it, it is a, a really weird thing to go through and overcome. Be in it, then you're not in it. You're back in the States. Like, it's just a weird, it was a weird few Culture years there. You know that. what I'm saying? Yeah. But one thing that, combat has taught me and I and I just hammer this home when I do speaking engagements is like I'm so glad there's two ways you can take it crappy and it affects you your whole life yeah or just flip the switch and spin it in a positive way and luckily I was even though we lost people in Iraq and we were in quite a bit of combat firefight situations um I don't think we were ever excessive in anything with our power over there and I'm speaking just from my platoon and my unit like right. we got shot at we shot back right and it was one of those things but I never saw us being assholes on the road I never saw people bullying the Iraqi people and you know the Iraqi people are no different than us right they're all fantastic and in a lot of ways their morals are better than ours because you know it's down to simplicity like let's go to the market and not get blown up right so I can bring some dates home for my family you know and so like it's just it's such a rich culture and um you know, I would like to think that, uh, you know, war is really weird. You know, at that time, my leader thought it was best to do this, and their respective leaders thought it was best to fight back. Yet, us very normal people were the ones pulling the trigger all the time. And I think that's the same for the enemy. And so, I have no doubt in my mind that there's Iraqi guys over there right now that if they were sitting at this table, we would be friends in five minutes, even though we shot at each other. Haven't we talked before... I may be, I watch a lot of 60 Minutes, so I might be misconstruing some other amazing conversations I've been at least listening to, but, I mean, haven't we maybe talked before about how you hope to go back someday? Dude, totally. 60 yeah. Minutes. The reason why you said that is probably because I said that, because I've seen these 60 Minutes where guys go back to Japan, yes. World War II veterans, or, or Vietnam, right? And I'll never forget when Senator McCain passed away, I was watching all the footage pour in and seeing him go back to the prison he was in. And meet with the uh, people that essentially tortured him and kept him captive. Yeah, you gotta let it go. You know, you gotta let. And so, if you can see dudes that did such that high gravity of pain to each other, right? They let it go. Can't we get over the coworker <laughs> or the sister yes. that you're mad at or right. the 
your best friend like fuck it no you can say fuck fuck it it you know what i'm saying like fuck it like (laughs) it's just let the shit go life is too goddamn short you know don't take and so that's how i feel about my combat experience man like granted i say that with a grain of salt i don't relate and i cannot relate with extremists of any kind. Mm-hmm. I can't relate with the Al-Qaeda guys we fought. That's a whole other level of shit I don't even understand. Just right. killing, killing at will, right? I don't... I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about Iraqi fighters who were fighting in their country against us. We right. were in their space, man. That doesn't make me any less patriotic. Like, it, it helps me realize that we're, we're not always right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't my call to be there, but at the same time, like, I was there... You know, it's my goal to stay alive and keep my, my buddies alive. And we lost buddies, you know. And so that's how I look at combat. And I'm so grateful for it because it could have went... I teeter with the dark side of it, too. Back in the... Do you? The day. I did. Not anymore. Not even Not close anymore. anymore. It's Good. gone. And that's what songs did for me. And that's why I don't ever need a paycheck from it. So I don't get paid. Because, like, it's given me freaking life, man. Yeah. That one year in Iraq has shaped every single thing. Every single thing I do. Wow. For the positive. Like, and I hope to God I'm one of those Vietnam veterans or, you know, World War II veterans because I would love to Anthony Bourdain that and go eat some food <laughs> with these guys because I guarantee you they got kids my age. Right. And they could all play soccer of, together. Absolutely. Like, and it would be that way. Mark my words. That is not a fairy tale. No. It's, I know that for a fact. It's a it's a community, too. That's mm-hmm. They're human, too. It's yes. not this, um, it's not so different. No. Then and and unfortunately, every culture has their reasons. You know, like I think mm-hmm. that every culture has their reasons and their belief systems and their religions and their po- po- politics and their gender roles and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, I hope that in our, I don't think we'll see it soon, but I hope in our lifetime. I hope when I'm like 105, like the woman from Titanic or something, like <laughs> that I'm looking back and I'm I'm seeing a world that is found its inner peace through the humanity that that it is and I'm not I don't know what it's going to take to get there I don't have those answers but I think that you know the the uh, I'm one of these people where I always say like the future is bright like even whenever it looks I pretty dark I feel that way 100% I do too and I and I have my dark my dark days when I see things going on that I don't agree with but I I've always been um, an optimist and I've always been somebody who goes find find something to pull out of this even if it's the darkest situation at all find the one gleaming thing that you can hold tightly onto it and pull it out and who knows what those roots look like like, you know so and I and I'm you know I'm having a good day today that I can talk about it with a lot of esteem I have my bad days too where I obviously I'm not a combat veteran so I don't have that in my doesn't matter it doesn't but at the same time like I know that I am connected to other people and it goes back to connectivity you know, you were connected to guys that were over there with you, guys and girls who were over there with mm-hmm. you. And then, you know, you come back and you're able to connect still with so many people. And, and your band of people just keeps growing. And I, I feel like you will get back there because yeah. you're, you're just going to keep going. And it's and I'm doing hand movements that people can't see in audio, but it's like it's like a um, it's like an airwave, like a radio wave going out into the universe. Like, that's what I think of it. And. It's people that have a positive instinct that can accept the things that have happened and decided, I'm not going to let this ruin the rest of me. Mm-hmm. 
that are some of the strongest human beings out there, whether it's recovering from addiction or going to war and coming back. I lost my family Mm -hmm. and they are all fighting cancer. It is all a warrior mentality of getting through it. But then on the other side of it, collectively saying no hatred, let's, let's find the peace in this. And it's, that is the most gorgeous thing anybody can ever understand about themselves. And the only level that, the only places you'll find that happening like where where people will truly knock down borders and and shed walls around themselves is usually in tragedy right so you you may see a family that maybe never got along and then something unexpected happens really great families rally right Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and so uh tragedy is kind of where it's at is where is where those major decisions can be made you know and um uh and I, once again, I don't think it's necessarily just because I was in combat. I just, I just think I have so much of my dad's DNA because I've watched him. He, he didn't fight in combat, but I've watched him in family tragedies and, and things happen. And just, he's the rock, man. And, like, I feel that way, too. And, like, that's just straight up G, DNA lucky genetics, you know, yeah. genetic fate. I lucked out because my old man rules, you know, <laughs> and his dad ruled. So, like, um... But you're, you're absolutely right. I think with some people look at social media as a bad thing. I think social media is bringing people together more than it's tearing people apart. Like, I and I think our generation um, and our kids underneath us, like they're just not seeing the, they see through the bullshit now, you know? And my boss always says that up. That's why he hired us millennials. He's like, you guys just don't get tricked. You Google it and figure it out. <laughs> So there's no pulling wool over your guys' eyes. You know, yeah. you guys. It's not the eyes. emperor's new clothes. It's like, oh, we know the emperor is completely naked. Like, right. we're gonna see through this. Right. Yeah. And and so I mean, but yeah, I I love this life. I just I don't don't know what happens after this, but like I just know that I'm pretty sure whatever heaven, I, I'm pretty much kind of getting a piece of it. And I have bad days too. Oh my god. Sure you do. And I. I Absolutely, I would hope so. Yeah, you know? the highs and so my new boss Chuck, who hired me, and he's the, my favorite human, and he hired some of my favorite humans, and now we're all on the same event producing team, and mm-hmm. we just work and life is good. The running hashtag at our shop is Dustin. Is it still the best day ever? <laughs> like, and they're trying to find ways to knock me off my horse, like right. stab my tire. Yeah. Best day ever, Dustin. Is it still the best day ever? <laughs> And we were talking the other day via text. He's like, it's okay if you don't have best days ever. I was like, don't worry, Chuck, I do. Yeah. I go, but um, I 100% mostly have best days ever because I fully realized, one, I'm having the worst day ever. <laughs> and that is there to exploit the best days ever. Absolutely. You need nighttime to have daytime. Yeah. You need rain to grow. You need suffering. Bad weather for good weather. Absolutely. You need, like- um, you need suffering. And so I hope someday if, if something that I don't foresee happening, like, if I get hit with my own personal tragedy, like whether it's cancer or something, I hope that uh, I've thought about this enough that when that happens, I'll just be like, okay. Yeah. Well, shit. This is it. You know? But, um, you know, I just, uh, it's weird. I, I connect with humans, man. <laughs> I know. I do too. I get it. And me and you, I, we don't see each other all the time, but I just really love you and, and just think you're one of like one of my best friends and even though we don't see each other much and it's just you find that with people. Back to I Jimmy agree. Griffin. Yep. Just happen to get along with the guy. We don't even hang out that much. Just four three, four times a year, but it just works every time and 
essentially that's what songs is about it just represents a really great spirit you know what it comes back to it comes back to wedding crashers okay mm. it's I want to see where this goes it's the soul's recognition of its counterpart in another damn you Luke Wilson or Owen Wilson whichever one you are you know, I mean, that line from that movie is so true. And that true. doesn't necessarily mean on a wedding standpoint. No, it doesn't. That's life. That's life. I believe that you, you know, the whole term soulmate, obviously, I love the idea of it being two people, you know, fiercely in love. And, Hallmark's banking on right. it. Right. I mean, yes. But honestly, <laughs> I think we are, it's like a web of soulmates throughout your whole life. You have a soulmate in your family. You have somebody that obviously you and your dad have a great connection. My, I always, I've talked about my grandma Imogen like every mother effing episode of this podcast. <laughs> my grandma Imogen and I. Your dad's mom? My dad's mom. She's gone now. That woman sculpted me in a way profoundly that I, I she, she's one of my soulmates. She might, she might as well have been mm. my first soulmate. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, sure. and I find, I find soulmates throughout my whole life, female, male, old. Babies. Colleagues. Yeah, colleagues, everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, John Hewlett is one of my soulmates. Yes. Where I just go, there will never be another pairing of me and a man like what our stupid show is. You know, like, where it's such a gift. And so, and it's also a curse because one day it will be over. And it's like, that will be a great heartbreak. And it's like... Or not. Or not. Maybe it'll be a great launch. I don't know. I'll be with him till the nursing home. But it's just like... <laughs> I just feel like that too, where I look at you and I go, yeah, man, like you're one of my soulmates. Like yeah. you, I, I feel the same way. I feel a great appreciation for, on a, on a, if you want to take it from like the American level, obviously, thank you for your service. Our friendship is so, um, gra- it's a gravity to me where I go, look at him go, you know, and, and my husband feels the same way. Like Tim and I both just love you equally where we're like, we want to support you and, and be a good person, be a, a couple that's a, a friend to you always. And like. We're literally trying to figure out how to get Brandon Boyd and you together. Like, every time Incubus comes into town, I'm like, how do we get those two to just meld into one soul together? Because that would be amazing. All I would ever (laughs) want to say to him, actually, you know, they're coming in November, right? Yes. And I'm going. And uh, my cousin works at Steeple, so I got third row dead center. Right. Right? You have to meet Brandon Boyd. I do. You do. But I don't want to fangirl out. No, you won't. Because it's not like that, like... Yes, I have a red tattoo like he does, and like, but I, I don't see it that way. No. I just—he's a soulmate. He's somebody that you yeah. connect with on that level. And I'll never forget the album "Curl Up for the Murder" because that was in 2004, and that was when I was in Iraq. And every day, this is how fast life has evolved, technology-wise. Every day in Iraq, I put that album on on my Sony Walkman player. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in 2004, we were still using Walkmans in Iraq, right? Yeah. I think that's unheard of because it's gone so fast since then but I'll never forget that album and what I would just say to him and what I hope to say to him or I'm just going to write a letter and give it to your Lux so if I don't meet him maybe he can read this right. but I just want him to know that um, I'm here and, and, and these guys hear this they hear this from their fans and stuff but I think maybe my message will go a little further because like his style and his uh aura and the music of course kept me human in a bad place yeah you know what I'm saying yeah yeah and I'll never you know I just remember listening to that album over and over and there were a couple songs in there that reminded me of my ex-girlfriend back home and there were a couple songs that reminded me of my grandpa on his back porch and it's just that 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 album would take me out of the the shitty places I was in or Mm -hmm. because over there I could always feel 
when the attacks were coming the next day. I just wouldn't sleep those nights. And it always happened. And I just would listen to his albums and just, or Incubus as a whole, and just that. I just want him to know. I don't even know how I'll word it, but um, maybe that's something they don't always hear because I think a lot of times combat veterans are associated with like Megadeth and like hardcore rock to be pumped Ted up for Nugent. the fighting. Right. And mine, <laughs> mine was always them, but not in a pumped up way to fight. It was a, in a pumped up way to stay chill and to stay grounded, freaking decent, and not do something stupid with guns. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, I'm not sure they've heard that. You know? And so. Yeah, I I just hope he knows like that's just gratitude. I don't need autographs or pictures yeah, yeah. just at all. I just You just want him to very know. grateful because if, if I affected somebody like that, it feels really good to hear it. And so affirmations feel good, man. And like I don't care who you are. You know? Right. So, um yeah, we'll see. I'll meet him someday. I kinda picture it being in a scene where I don't mean to. And he's just there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or whatever, but um, definitely my him and George Harrison. Well, you're not the only my one. My two favorite. I have a things. I have an ohm on my back that he drew that I, it was my first tattoo I ever got. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim, my husband, for people who don't know, um, Tim has introduced me to every man that I've ever been in love with on a famous level. Mm. So like Gavin Rossdale was my first crush in the '90s sure. as far as musicians go. Eddie Murphy was actually my first crush, and I don't think I'll ever meet him, unfortunately. But that was when I was a little kid. But then it was Gavin, then it was uh, Brandon Boyd, sure. then it was Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. And so I, I think I think Brandon Boyd will, if he meets you ever, I think you and him will have a bigger connection than most of the flailing women like me who meet him and are like, oh my god. Like, well, my hair's so long, I kind of look like a flailing woman. <laughs> And there you have it. I like to go out on some humor, which is exactly what we did there. Much thanks to Dustin Rao for sitting down with me and for his friendship and for his service and for the greatness that he has created in this annual event for Columbia, Illinois. The volunteers, the community, the veterans, everybody gets so behind it and they should because it is just full of goodness in itself, just wanting to do better and, and leave the world in a better place than you found it, which is something I think we can all relate to or hopefully do with our lives. So maybe you're inspired after this uh, conversation with Dustin. You can go to s4sstl.org to see the full lineup of the September 6th and 7th of 2019 annual show. 38 Special, Chris Shiflett. Those are the two names that stick out big for me as far as nationally touring acts and I will see you there um, and maybe follow along with all the different events that he's having throughout the year with Songs for Soldiers. Until next month, September 6th, when the new episode of Live and Learn Podcasts drops, I hope you have a great, great August, and I'll see you in September. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.